Well, let's get started, guys. We want to get started on time and end on time today. All right. Novel concept. Okay, welcome. <laughs> this is the balloon creativity class. As you can see, we're going to be working with all the balloons here in a minute. It'll be fun. There's balloons everywhere. I'm not sure from what, but I'm glad they're here. It adds color to the room. All right. Welcome to the class. Somebody maybe get the doors there for us, Chris, if you don't mind. And uh, welcome. My name is Jack Rosenquist, my wife, Kathy. And we have been empty nesters for six years. And we'll tell you a little bit more about that as we get started. Hey, guys. But um, let's begin with a prayer. God, we're so thankful for just the opportunity to be together. Uh, it's such a unique age and a unique time in life when we do become empty nesters. Uh, there's uh, responsibilities at one end and the other for a lot of our lives. And I pray that uh, we can figure out how to balance that in a way that honors you. We love you and thank you for the wisdom you'll give us today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. In John 10.10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus promises that the life He gives us will be to the full. And in other translations, it says the following. In the Amplified, it says, to the full till it overflows. J.B. Phillips says, I came to bring them life and far more life than before. The ASV says, I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. The Message Bible says, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And that makes me really excited. Um, one, of the, one of my very, well, it is my favorite movie of all time is, is the movie called It's a Wonderful Life. A fantastic movie. Most of us know it. It starts out with the little stars twinkling and they're praying for who? George Bailey. Oh, dear God, be with George. Help George tonight. And all the little word, uh, voices that are coming there. Well, George Bailey was feeling pretty empty at that time as he started. Even useless, even like his life wasn't worth going on, uh, continuing. But it turns out within really just a few hours of that scene, we know that he ended up realizing he's the, there's a phrase, he's the richest man in town. If you remember the end of that movie, the richest man in town. And uh, I love that because it, it really describes a full life of pouring yourself into other people. So yeah, our topic is empty nest, life to the full. So, you know, kind of a little tricky play on words there. So um, I was, uh, into the summer, I was prayer journaling, you know, getting some of my feelings out, telling God all that was going on in my life because he didn't know. And all <laughs> that I, <laughs> sometimes I need to tell him. And uh, all that I was feeling about, all the feels, all the stuff, my dad's health challenges, my mom's challenges as a caregiver, being too far away to be of much help to them. A great but very busy summer at camp, and now I'm looking at the camp bills that are piling up that now we need to pay, and the repairs we need to make, the various needs, and normal human drama that my adult children are going through, and the constant confusing battle of how much to be involved. The cutest little boy in the world who wants me to read to him on FaceTime every day, and also wants to know all the time when Mima's coming to visit Pittsburgh again. My work as a Christian life coach with other people's drama, the ongoing needs of the church, and specifically the youth and family ministry, there's no drama there, of course. <laughs> Our recent move to a fixer-upper in Gainesville and all of the challenges that that 
brought, uh, even in the move, I lost or misplaced at least 10 really important documents or items. You know, this is not really my, my personality. So it's like, God, what is going on with me? My life is so full. And I literally wrote out, my life is so full, so busy. Why do I feel so empty? A few hours later, a text came from our, one of the women's leaders there in Northern Virginia. And she said, we need you to speak to the women's midweek. And your topic is life to the full. <laughs> then a few weeks later, Ed contacts us and says, we've got the topic for you for the ACR. Empty nesters, life to the full. <laughs> I clearly am supposed to be learning something here. So just, you know, you have ringside seats to my lessons, my curriculum from God. Right. Well, we want to share a few things that we've learned over six years of living as empty nesters. Um, actually, we're still learning a lot, as she said. And I want to insert here, this is not in our notes, but we ought to tell you, we have a son who's 28 and a half, daughter-in-law who's just turned 30 day before yesterday, grandson who's two years old, two years and four months, and then our daughter uh, is, in, is uh, 24. She's in Charlottesville. Our son and his wife are in Pittsburgh. And they work, all, all of them work in campus ministries right now and uh, are loving what they're doing. And um, it doesn't pay much, but it's really fulfilling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so our lives will be, point number one, our lives will be full because we are busy people, but we need to intentionally choose what is fulfilling. Okay? And, I, and Kathy mentioned it here right now. We're t taking care of aging parents from a distance, and that involves travel. That involves air, air travel, uh, some other things. Some of you are doing the same thing. You've got children who are having issues, drama, challenges. I've talked to a few of you in this room in the last two weeks that are, you have, there's some drama there, okay? So from on both sides, it, and uh, it, it's a challenging time in life. Can I get an amen on that part? Okay. <laughs> but uh, number one, how we do this is be intentional. Being busy is not the same as life to the full. It's just a life being busy. Now, May 17th of this year, uh, I was talking to a brother who's in Afghanistan, and we communicate on Marco Polo, if you ever used that before. And he said, you know, I'm going to go off. I decided I'm going to go off TV. And he's there and he, in a compound. He has his own room and quarters and everything. So he has time to watch all the TV he wants in between his assignments. And uh, so long and short, I said, well, I'll join you in that. Now, understand, since 9-11, I have become a TV junkie. I don't know about you, but 9-11 flipped a switch for me. It was watch news, watch updates, watch everything's an alert. Everything's a... Whatever, you know, you, you know the screens on what I don't care what channel you watch, it's all urgent. Okay? And you gotta watch it. You gotta you gotta be up to it. TV, movies, entertainment all became a, a big thing for me in the last twenty years. And sports, same thing, big Dallas Cowboy fan. But um, uh, in two thousand fourteen we downsized from a a big house to a smaller place. And in two thousand sixteen I decided I wanted to start reading more books, adding books to my TV and entertainment and movies and all that stuff. More books in 17. I'm not a reader, so understand that was a that was a big accomplishment. You know, to read four books, six books, ten books in a year was never did that in the 90s, 80s. Okay, I'm just saying. 
I was not a reader. 2018, though, I cut TV out in May, May 17th. And I can tell you, it is wonderful. It is just wonderful. Now, I've watched a couple of games when I've been invited to watch a game. I'm not weird about it, and I'm not telling you to do this. I'm saying for me, it opened up. You know, I thought it would give me an extra hour a day. It may have been an extra hours a day. And I'm thinking, wow, was I more addicted to that than I even thought. And so it's really freed me up. So the great thing about that is uh, being intentional with your time. Because one of the things that does happen, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12. He's like, in the body, there's usually two reactions. We either feel inferior or, or superior, superior or inferior. Okay? And one of the things that happens in relationships and being intentional is, and what has happened since I've gotten off TV is, I joined a mastermind group, which was a Saturday, early Saturday morning thing uh, where you go for like eight weeks. And Dave Mitchell is a life coach down here. He has a table set up. Awesome guy. I recommend him. But I was realizing as an empty nester, as a almost 60-year-old in my late 50s, barely in my 50s, um, that I there's some things that I need to be aware of and change that are more than just discipling. I'm just saying it's character things. And so I was learning that. The other part of that is that uh, I've just joined this Ironman group, which is another part of another part. And Doug Stein and I are Ironman brothers in this group of eight. And we're from everywhere from San Francisco to, to New York. And we're in this group together. And I'm learning things about myself and learning, learning character things that I need to change and habits I need to change. So I'm just saying, since May 17th, I've opened myself up to a lot of book learning and Iron Man and Mastermind Group. And just, I'm learning so much right now. And I'm just saying, this can be an incredible time to just learn new things and grow. So take it away. So um, intentionally, what I find is that I can really be, when I'm unintentional, I can be led by my anxiety, by my emotions. I can feel guilty. You know, my favorite part of the whole conference so far, my favorite lesson was Deb saying this is a guilt-free zone, right? I was like, hallelujah, I'm staying now. <laughs> uh, because I can feel guilty for everything and I can feel responsible for everything. But rather than dwell on the things I can't change, I can't be there and make my dad's health better. I can't be there and help my mom as much as I would like to. Um, I can't um, control what my kids are going through. I can't make things better in a lot of situations. Um, but what I can do is trust God. You know, those of us who have been around, if you're sitting in here, you've probably been a, around a while, and we wouldn't still be here if we didn't trust God. Right, right, right. Push comes to shove, everything else falls apart, trust God. It's not a pat answer, it is the answer. Yeah, right, and right. It, if I can be intentional, about increasing my trust in God. And it has to be intentional for me because I right. can go to bad places very quickly. But I have to bring myself back to God as the loving sovereign that I can trust. And to bring myself back there with scriptures. I have a book that I have all those written in. It's very intentional for my mind uh, to just fill up with that or else the void will fill up with the bad stuff. Oh, it's me. It's okay. So um, the other part of this, and this fits right in, is just my relationship with God. Um, I know that we wouldn't be uh, faithful at this age if we didn't walk with God. Um, because we have a really big choice. You know, we're not doing it for the kids anymore. 
We're not mm-hmm. even wow. doing it wow. because we're trying to rise through the ranks of the church, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah. The motivation is our walk with God. And as I really looked at my walk with God, similar to what Jack was talking about, I realized I just needed to deepen my walk with God. And so being vulnerable, like the prayer journal I was talking about, telling him everything I think, he really loves that he can wipe every tear away from my eyes in Revelation 7 and 17. You know, that's not just for heaven. He can do that with me now as, as he holds me and he is with me. Uh, he wants to hear my heart. He wants to hear all of the things that he already knows. But he wants me to place my heart in his hands and that he can handle it. And I remember when Amy was little, our, our uh, second one said, Mom, God must have really, really big hands. She was maybe three or four and I... You know, she's probably talking from the car seat. That's when most of our talks took place. And God must have really, really big hands. And I said, yeah, probably. What were you thinking? And she said, because he's got the whole world in his hands. <laughs> and I love that visual. You know, Psalm 62, 1 Peter 5, Philippians 4. God is wanting to listen to us. He's wanting us to pour our hearts you know, whether it's our parents or our children or our jobs or finances or retirement or just the, the state of the church sometimes weighs heavy on us. And what can we do to help uh, all the different things that we see that we want to help with? Yeah. So all of those, God wants to listen and, and wants to be there for me. And as I deepen my relationship with him, life does get more and more full. Okay. So how many of you have grandchildren? Already. Okay, isn't it the best thing ever? So we're just really experiencing, and I'm really experiencing, because she goes to Pittsburgh and sees our grandson more than me. But we were driving over here. He's in the back seat. And I was like, you know, let's have a prayer about our class. So I I pray. And I finish up, and I'm saying, Jesus, name, amen. And he's like, my turn. We're like, I've never heard this before. He's just saying, my turn. So he's mumbling back there. And... Kathy's like, mm-hmm, okay. And then says, amen. He goes, amen. She says, amen. He goes, Meemaw, your turn. So she starts praying. She's praying, and he goes, mm-hmm. I'm from the back seat. Mm-hmm. And she'd say a sentence with a little comma, and mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is, this is precious. Man, oh, man, melt your heart. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, my kids have been praying with this kid. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a treasure. Okay, back to the lesson. All right, we talked about uh, full of great relationships with God and others. This is sort of part B of the others part. And that is, is this true in some of y'all's marriages where maybe one person is like very outgoing and the other one is more reserved or a little bit more introverted? Maybe where one is like, around a crowd and they're just like drained quickly and the other one's around a crowd and they're pumped up? Okay, it's not just us. So, yeah, so I get out with a crowd and it's like it's 7, 8, 9 o'clock p.m., 10 o'clock and I'm, I'm just getting wound up. And Kathy is like the balloon that's going... Okay? But she's giving it all, laying it all out there. And I just want to say, make time every day to draw close to your spouse and your friends. This is... Time is precious. I mean, how did we get to? I mean, how did we get to the mature track? How did we get? 
how did we get to our 50s and 60s, which I think most of us in here are that age or so. How did we get here so quick? I mean, you know, you always hear the little kids are going to grow up faster than you think. Well, they did. And now the next generation is growing up. So get to know them better and share yourself with them. Uh, this can help fill our hearts up so much to, to reconnect. It's easy to become like our culture, live busy lives that are really void of rich friendships. And I really want to say this. I, I, it's not in my notes here, but Douglas Stein is in our Ironman group. I've never met Douglas until about 20 minutes ago. But we've talked on the phone almost every day, talked or texted on the phone every day for, for 20 days now. I know his about his wife. I know about what games she, they like as a family. I know about his daughter in Dallas, his grandkids, and other interests of his and his practice, medical practice. And it's like we knew all this stuff just from talking on the phone in our Ironman group. And then we see each other at the door, and it's just like, brother, you know, we're brothers. <laughs> you know, there's just an excitement there with relationships. And I'm sure he and I will be great friends for forever now. Um, we may even have this life that's full of church activities, but, but uh, we've been around long enough to skirt the deep conversations sometimes, even to protect our hearts. We can miss out on that joy of really having our hearts knit in God's family. And I'm just saying, we, we were trying to figure out, how did we make time for our relationship? We just picked up the phone and called. And if one, we said right over, who stood right over here and said, if one of us was busy, it's like, hey, call me in 20 minutes. We call back in 20 minutes. We have five minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes. Sometimes it turned into more than that. And it's just been spontaneous. But we've built an incredible friendship, never laying eyes on one another until, you know, three weeks into it. Uh, our, our friendship as brothers. Anyway, uh, back to church and fellowship. I like being that guy at church that gets to know young family, gets to know young family with kids. And I've kind of become the candy man. Uh, we have a lot of fun, and I've just made it a point to have candy in my bag. It's usually fruit snacks. You can get them at Costco. I, I don't know. You get like a hundred of them for eight, eight bucks or twelve bucks or something. That'll last you a pretty good while. But the kids come up, Mr. Jack, do you have candy? And I'm like, Yeah, let's see. I've, you want some broccoli or squash today? We want broccoli. You know, they know now. They're going to say some vegetable, and so I'll reach in and say, Well, here's some. You know, here's some broccoli. I think I've got some. Do you like radishes? Yeah. You know, they, they know to play along. So, But we have fun. And, you know, I say as an adult, if you can, if you can still, if you get down on your knee and talk to a child, it's just so different than leaning down. No one gets down on their level. Very rarely. I'd say maybe in school or with their parents, people that love them. So, But in the hallway at church, it's just an amazing fellowship. And when you express love to people's kids, there's a bond that happens with the mom and dad too. Anyway, uh, young families really need us to delight in them and support them, adopt them. Um, don't wait for them. Let's be that family that Acts 4 talks about. There's no needy ones among them. There's a lot of uh, single moms in our church that need a, a, an adult, an extra adult around to, to mm -hmm. love their kids and to uh, just think their kids are really special. That's right. Um, so, this or this? Okay. Let's go on to point number two. The secrets of, of feeling, the secrets to feeling full. So point number one was what to be full of. How to be fulfilled and not just busy. To be intentional about our walk with God. To be intentional about our relationships with other people. To be intentional about what you can offer those at church in our fellowship. 
that need you, to not wait for them to come and ask you. They're not going to ask you. They're too busy. They're too overwhelmed. They're too helpless and, and harassed, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but if you just, you know, you're that, you're that one that grabs that baby who's crying during church and, yeah. and uh, you know, can walk the baby and let the mom have, you know, 20 minutes of a sermon, an amazing thing. Yep. That, that we can offer or just grocery shopping or any, any number of things. I love watching Jack with those young families. And they just come running to him. And I know that if they need something, that's who they're going to come to. Mm. The parents are going to come to Jack and, and he's won them over. And I think sometimes we're like, well, I would give advice, but nobody's asking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I have a lot of advice. I could tell you how to fix that tantrum. <laughs> but you're not asking so I'll just walk on by right? that's hypothetical of course but, um, but I think it's really important that we be there that we're in the trenches I mean we have it in us to do that and we have that to offer all right all right, our lives will be full, we said, as she said, point number two and our final point of the day is the secret to feeling full. We know it's not just being busy. So let's talk about the things that, that we can have in our life that will bring this fulfillment. One is uh, contentment. Philippians 4.11, I've learned to be content in any and every situation. Paul wrote this from where? Prison. Prison, I was to say, it wasn't some resort. <laughs> yeah. So learning to be content. It's not something that comes natural to us. And I think um, particularly the women, um, at least for me, of the two of us, I tend to be lean more towards discontentment. And the things that feed discontentment in me are these phrases. If only. If only the kids could stay longer mm -hmm. when they come visit. Yeah. If only they would call more. If only they would have time to talk to me when I call. If only someone would ask me to be in a Bible study. If only we had more money. If only we could retire sooner. If only I had a bigger house or a smaller house. <laughs> the if onlys. Uh, I will be happy when, whatever. I will be happy when I lose 20 pounds. I will be happy when I have grandchildren. I will be happy when all my children are married. I'll be happy when all my children are faithful. I'll be happy when we have resolved X. But to have that out there, I will be happy when, will definitely feed our discontentment. And I'm waiting until X in order, I'm waiting until something before I get really involved at church or really involved in the lives of other people or really involved in, you know, when I... When we reach a retirement, then I'll start serving in kids' kingdom. Or when we do this, then I'll start working with hope. The waiting is, is a, a season of discontent. Now, can we do everything all the time, every opportunity? No. But to think, I'm going to do it in the future, yeah. is, it breeds discontentment in us. Uh, parenting adult children... Uh, man, right? <laughs> Give me a toddler. <laughs> or a teenager. Some days. Even a teenager. <laughs> I can take a teenager's phone. I got it. I can spank 
Oh, you're oh. supposed to see that. A toddler. <laughs> Discipline. That's Discipline. <laughs> With an adult child, I can't do anything about them. <laughs> and I shouldn't. So, um, Doug, if you wouldn't mind passing those out. We've got a handout for you. A good friend of mine uh, start, did a bunch of research. A good friend of ours, Lori Ziegler, did research on, and she, she talked with a lot, in the kingdom, a lot of adult children and also parents of adult children to get ideas for how we can do this better. There's really, at this point, not a great resource. Just one per couple. So one per couple. We, we had a few more. Um, I, I probably should have made some more copies. But this gives you a devotional that you can do um, to help you, help us be better parents of adult children. Because we need to let go. Yes, yeah, just one page. Uh, it's a devotional that, that can be helpful for our hearts. There's some more back here. And so you can take that and use that at your leisure. Um, but I know for me, letting go of my adult children, not being, not being the same, you know, it took me about 18 years to figure out how to be a parent. You were just I, getting good at it. I was just getting good at it. Real good. Then they left. <laughs> You know, and they act a lot better out there than they ever did at home. I'm just saying. So, you know, uh, an example that I was talking with uh, Marcy Lindenmuth before we came, and her son, Jack, uh, just started at Virginia Tech this fall. And so, you know, he hasn't been home in six weeks. And the tendency would be staying with them. At the conference. At the conference. He's here. The tendency would be, my tendency would be, how much time can we spend together? When are we going to see you? Let's get together as a family for meals. And so she said, what are your plans? When can we spend time together? And he said, well, I have a date, and I'm getting with this person, and I have this class, and I have this thing over here I'm doing. And she said, okay, great. We'll see you at bedtimes. <laughs> and she just had the greatest attitude about it. And I think awesome. I was not that way when my firstborn left to go to college. I was much more clingy than that. But I appreciate it so much that she understands that his life is full. And that his life needs to be full of those things. Not that they don't need us. But if he's busy with good stuff, let's not get in the way of our kids being busy with good stuff. So we, we just have a different mentality now. Our job is to be their cheerleaders. Our job is to, to be their encouragers. Often the best response to things that they're telling us is, wow. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Write that one down. Big letters. Great. Upside down, it's mom. <laughs> you know. Great. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Are you biting your tongue? <laughs> It's just not their hairstyles. They're what they eat when they go to bed. You know, their friendships. This is not our realm anymore. The great thing is it it makes a little more room for us and for things that we can get involved in. But as we express our opinions to them, we communicate to them that they're not okay. That they aren't going to be okay without us. 
And so my daughter explained that to me when I gave her an opinion, an unsolicited opinion. She said, sometimes you make me feel, when you say something like that, it makes me feel like you think I can't do it. And that's why you need to give me so much advice. I'm so sorry, I will change. Yep. Great, great input for her to get that perspective and for us to jump to, you should, you ought to, look why into this, you? why don't you? Yeah. Really, we got to hold back that advice with our adult children. So that's what this devotional is about. It really helps our heart with that. And you what? Unsolicited. Unsolicited yeah. advice. Yeah. yeah, if they ask for advice sparingly, I would give it sparingly. So unfortunately, Satan lies to us and tells us that we will only be happy when we get our way. He's been telling that to humans since the beginning in the garden. He prompted Eve to feel discontent in the garden. This amazing place. Imagine that. We can work on our contentment as Paul did in Philippians. We talked about Philippians 4.11 by being grateful too. So let's talk a little bit about gratitude. We talked about contentment. Let's hit gratitude for a minute. All right. So gratitude, the mental health research is that the brain's wiring physically is impacted by gratitude. And we've heard that um, it has the same physical impact on our brain as serotonin does. To be grateful. Uh, I have found as I age, I can tend to be more negative. Um, I've been around the block a couple times and I tend to be cynical. I tend to be negative. I tend to be um, the, the person that thinks, well, it should be this way or it should be that way. Mm. And, and then from our of, experience, speaking from our experience, from our, yeah, yeah, yeah. From our vast experience, our brilliant experience. <laughs> yeah. School of hard knocks mostly. Right. What, what am I thinking? Right. Um, so this is what I would suggest if you find yourself going that direction. And I've tried this is to write down or else share with somebody or both three things a day that you're grateful for. Just try it for a week, just a week. And start with just three things. And this is something you've heard before, I've heard before, but actually doing it, mm. putting it into practice does make a difference. And what I have found is it feeds my ability to share my faith. Because I'm grateful about something, then I'm able to share with somebody that I'm you know, talking to at the gym. Yeah, I, today I was really thinking about my kids and I'm really grateful for them about this and this and you know what do people our age get together and talk about their kids it's all often complaining yep. right yep. so if I can share something positive and something I'm grateful for then it leads to being able to share my faith I'm able to represent God in a much more positive way so gratitude helps me feel my abundant life so first part of what we talked about is how to fill our life. The second part is how to feel full. So working with our contentment, working with our gratitude, and thirdly, working with our selflessness. To empty ourselves is to fill up. And many of us, when we became Christians as young people, we really got that. We really got that emptying myself. Or when, when we first became Christians, the idea was... You know, I don't want to do anything that's for me. I want to do everything for God and how much joy there was in that. We need to, as we get older, we tend to be more selfish. Yeah. You know, I need my sleep. And yes, you do need your sleep. 
But that's not an excuse not to do stuff all the time. And it, given, my, given my natural who I am, I'd love to go to bed at 8 o'clock every night. I just would. You know, and that just doesn't fit with being selfless. And it, being afraid of my health problems or being um, overcommitted can, make, can be a mask for being self, selfish for me. So I tend to be that direction. I think about different people who've gone on church plantings that are our age. People who've gone on hope trips who are our age. And uh, the the Will and Marcia Lorenz uh, Lorenz in Northern Virginia that last few Christmases ago that took their family to the Philippines for a hope trip. And it changed, you know, they had grown kids, grown boys. It changed everything about just how they felt about life. It just yep. energized their whole family. Yep. Cambodia. Um, yeah, the Criders going to Cambodia, uh, Volunteer Corps. You know what? We would love to have you at camp. <laughs> we would love to have you, whether you're on the, in the western part of the ACR, they would love to have your help at camp. We would love to have your camp on the eastern side of the ACR. There's always room in the kitchen. Right? <laughs> Wayne is our volunteer a, of the year. He's he a comes hero. every year to work in the kitchen. They have a ball. They have a blast. Absolutely. But there's other things you can do as well. Skilled labor. Um, all sorts of things that we can really get out there and be unselfish with our yep. time. And we can fill up with that. Yep. So don't wait until... Um, like, I, we'll wait until we're such and such age. I have found that I have more energy now than I'm going to have tomorrow. <laughs> you know? Like, watching the grandbaby for a couple days. OMG. You know, I'm so tired. I'm like, can't you just sleep a little longer? <laughs> and so the, our energy, we got to take advantage of that. Yeah. So yeah. what we want to challenge you is to go on a selfless adventure, whatever that means for you guys. What, whatever station in life you are, whether it's, you know, you don't have to make it a big, huge thing that you put on Facebook. It can be, um, you know, it can just be the tiniest bit of adopting another family and having them right. over for uh, family night and right. devotionals and right. just looking out for people who really need what you have. But that selfless adventure is how we're going to feel full. That's how we're going to have a life to the full. That's what Jesus offered us. That's the yoke that he offered us is selflessness. Because when I'm consumed with myself, I'm burdened. When I'm consumed with making sure things are how I need them to be, and that's what's going to make me happy when everything's just like I want it to be, that's not a full life. That empties me. And it's a burden. It's a burden on myself. It's a burden on my husband. It's a burden on my children and everybody around me. Is And so as we become selfless and as we take these adventures and take these risks, then, then we get to experience the fulfilling life. I'm grateful to be married to somebody who says, yes, let's go to Jamaica and spend time uh, working with hope. Yes, let's, let's work at camp. Um, when Jack takes off to go work at camp, he's self-employed. So, you know, there's no uh, PTO. There's no paid time off. Yep. 
He goes, and I'm just bragging on him because he just goes and works really hard and fixes things, and nobody quite knows what he does while he's there. <laughs> so they're, too, they're like, I saw Jack. What's he doing? I don't know, but he's fixing something. <laughs> but he just slips in, and he serves, and it's his selfless adventure while he's there. I'm going to throw this in. We're, we're, we have one more little discussion question we're going to give to you in just a minute for you to discuss. But I was just going to throw this out because if you have an adventure, adventuresome spouse or adventuresome close friends, wherever that is in your life, be really grateful for that because that's a gift from God. Um, we, you know, we had for 15 years, we had the, the house that was the center of the ministry in our church. It was where everything happened, where the teen ministry, sorry, teen ministry, it's where <coughs> the teen, you know, we had a Gaga court there. If you've ever been to camp, out at camp, we built a Gaga court at our house. Wow. <coughs> Basketball, whatever, you know, it was the place. Families came and you guys know, some of y'all are in here and it was just the place, the hub, you know. And so we moved out of that and moved downsized, as I told you. Well, then we had friends that bought a, uh, in the church that are in the youth and family council with us. And they bought a five acre place out by Manassas by the battlefield. And they said, hey, there's a second house on the property. You guys want to live out there and move out there? We're like, what do you think? Let's do it. But where all that started and that adventuresome spirit was our son went to camp. And the first year after he went to camp, we said, let's go and volunteer the next year. And that was 2001. And we have, we've been there every year, weeks, sometimes months at a time. But we live in a little cabin. So we're used to living in a little cabin with a kitchenette without a sink there. Sink is in the bathroom for your coffee or whatever. But it's like, we just got this adventure of sure and say, surely it can't be smaller than what we have at camp. Right now it is because we're <laughs> renovating. So the place we have it. But it's okay. Yeah. We've gotten used to being at camp or being on a, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You yeah. go, Whether it's camping or going on a youth corps or going on a family corps or volunteering at camp. You, you're in these times, these times, and it's like it teaches you something about just, it's not about how big and palatial our place is. And uh, so I just throw that out. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're loving that adventure and having a time of our life. Here's the question for, for us, and we'll close with this, and then we'll give you about four and a half, five minutes just to talk among yourselves. What is one thing I can do this week to be more content, more grateful, or to start planning a selfless adventure? So you sort of get a pick, your topic. What's one thing I can do to be more content, more grateful, or to consider starting a selfless adventure? So we're going to end... And we're going to give you, it's, we have five minutes left. Uh, we're just going to give you five minutes to talk to a person next to you. We're all in here together, brothers and sisters. And just uh, reach across the aisle or make a little circle or lean to the person next to you. And we'll have a, about five minutes of conversation and then the class will be over. So thank you.